Merry Christmas. I haven't preached in a while, so I'm just kind of giving you a heads up. It might go a little long today. Uh, I'm just, not that long. You know, my wife and I, we got into this series we were watching last year. We watched season one of Ted Lasso. You know, it was kind of an upbeat, kind of funny show, and, you know, we liked it. It's not totally appropriate, so don't send me emails. I, I wouldn't necessarily in endorse the show, but anyway, we, we kind of enjoyed it. We started watching season two, and we got into, I don't know, it was episode two or three. It's, it takes, this episode takes place at Christmas time, and Ted makes the comment that, um, you know, it's Christmas. It's Santa Claus's birthday. And I'm like, oh. How did we get here, right? How did we get here, you know? And I just, it inspired actually the, the main theme of this homily, which, you know, you know, is the infinite significance of the incarnation. The infinite significance of understanding who we are in Jesus Christ, a saved people. You know, a couple of years ago, it was actually two years ago, I was preparing for my, thinking about at least my first homily here at Our, Our Lady of Victory. And um, we were out for a Christmas party with my then company. And we decided to go out for an after cocktail at the Ironwood Grill in Plymouth. And my wife and I were sitting with you know, a bunch of 30-somethings. And they, they were really interested in, in you know, my new assignment here at Our Lady of Victory. And they, they knew I was preaching on Sunday. And they asked me, well, what are you going to preach about? I said, no, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm praying with the scriptures. And, and what keeps coming to me is, you know, what does it mean to be saved? You know, we're a saved people. What does it mean to be saved? So I, I asked them, you know, well, what do you think it means to be saved? And my colleague Gerardo's wife said right away, without even hesitating, she said, it's about life. It's about possibilities. What we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, is the single most important event in human history. I got nothing against Santa Claus, kids, but it's not his birthday. It marks a new beginning in the relationship between God and humanity. It marks a point in time after which the human race is changed forever. The good news offers new life and new possibilities to all people. This isn't a fantasy or a myth. Our faith isn't blind, and our hope isn't wishful thinking. Jesus of Nazareth was born in first century Palestine, and he was crucified. Of this, there is no doubt. The science of history proves it. And those who followed him most closely, the apostles and his disciples, bear witness not only to his life and death, but to his resurrection. The first letter of John, the second reading today was from the first letter of John. That letter starts out like this. So tradition, we think John the Apostle wrote the first letter of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, we saw it and testified to it. Most of the apostles and many of his eyewitness disciples were put to get death for proclaiming this good news. In many cases, they were tortured to death. Nobody dies for something they know is a lie. Peter was crucified. We know Paul was beheaded in Rome. Paul suffered many more things. Most of them, like I said, were tortured in the process. Furthermore, 
The coming of Jesus, the Messiah, was foretold by the prophets in remarkable clarity. We saw many of these, re these readings in, uh, throughout Advent, and we'll see many of them again as we get into Lent in the Easter season. He was foretold in remarkable clarity by the prophets and entered human history to accomplish a mission. Jesus is not simply another prophet or a wise man. He is the very truth himself. The way we come to know ourselves and the way back to a relationship with the Father. He's the creator of the universe who became man so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And the world has never been the same. And the possibilities for those who believe in him, who seek to know him, are beyond what our minds can conceive. Our second reading today sheds light on those possibilities. John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do not know what has, we do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him. We shall share in his own divine life if we seek and accept Jesus. And that abundant life Jesus' promises starts here in this life. Jesus promises us an intimate relationship. He says, whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Jesus promises that the Father will send the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, remind you of all that I told you. The wisdom of God is offered us through Christ as a free gift. Our response to Jesus is also infinitely important. The most important decision we'll make in our lives. The author of 1 John tells us, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence in God and receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commandment to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Now the letter goes on to qualify that whatever we ask by adding according to his will. The point is that we can boldly ask and expect to receive from God good things because we're in good relationship with him. And believing him, believing in him is an internal trust, loving God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole self, all of our strengths. A heart so disposed to know him accepts his will with great joy. Believing calls us to trust in the mind, thoughts, and teachings of God more than our own. God's love for us is active. God understands and cares about our journey through this life, all of the suffering, and all of the joy. He wants good for us. And I think everybody wants to live a life of meaning and purpose. And those who seek it out in Jesus Christ find it. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family, and we encountered two holy families in the readings today. In the first reading, we encounter Hannah. Uh, Hannah is childless, she's barren, and she suffers greatly because of it. Her distress moved her to prayer, and in her prayer, she asks and promises something to the Lord. If you remember me, Hannah says, and do not forget me. If you give your handmaid a male child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. 
and her prayer is answered in the birth of her son Samuel. Today we pick up the story where Hannah is keep making good on that promise. She's leaving her son, her beloved son, with Eli to serve the Lord. But both Samuel and Hannah are blessed in return. Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord, the scripture tells us. The Lord later speaks directly to Samuel, giving him a mission, making him a great prophet to the people of Israel, the prophet who will anoint King David. And to David, God makes the promise of an everlasting kingdom, a promise that's fulfilled in Jesus. You know, often you hear in the New Testament, the people call out Jesus, son of David. Well, they call out that because the prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus is indeed from the line of David. In the gospel, we get a gift. Also, I need to mention, the barren Hannah is blessed with five additional children, three boys and two girls. In the gospel, we get a glimpse of Mary and Joseph raising their child in faith, living according to God's commandments gradually becoming more and more aware of his mission. You see, it's within family life that the child Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. Mary, Joseph, and Hannah let go of their sons, that which they love the most, because they know God. And they understand that God's way is infinitely better than their own way. They entrust their, God, their sons they entrust what they love the most to the greatest good. The family is the forum in which both parents and children are able to discern their mission. It's where we grow in strength and wisdom. You know, parent, parents, you know you're not the same as you were when you, you, you raised, started raising your children, right? They say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think we're all a lot stronger. And, 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 and just joking in that sense, but, you know, family life is kind of like a virtue factory, right? It's where we, we practice the love that Jesus wants us to practice, that self-sacrificial love. You know, the pragmatism of the world can block us from responding to God's call. God's way doesn't always line up with conventional wisdom. But in our families, we're loved simply for who we are. That unconditional acceptance is empowering. It's a refuge, a source of courage, freedom, and a source of life. In the presence of unconditional love, we can journey more freely toward finding our mission and in turn, living the abundant life Jesus wants us to live. You know, today we're going to baptize Nathan, Sean, and Michael. And they will be given a mission, a mission we all are given at our baptisms. We're baptized priest, prophet, and king. Priest, we praise God above all things. Prophet, we're called to speak and proclaim the divine truth and live it. King, we're sent on mission to bless the world with the good news. Perhaps this year is a time for all of us to consider anew what mission God is calling us to. And in addition, to encourage that in our families and in our friendships. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who God created you to be and you'll set the world on fire. Trust that. A life lived with Christ at the center will surely be filled with meaning and purpose. What better gift can we accept 
and give on Jesus' birthday.